Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Life Enthusiast Podcast, online radio network, restoring vitality to you and to the planet. I'm your host, Scott Patton, and joining us, as usual, is the founder of the Life Enthusiast Co-op, Martin Patella. Hey, Martin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, and I'm concerned. You're concerned? <laughs> yes. I guess maybe I should use a little stronger language. I'm freaked out of my skull. Holy smokes, what's happened? Well, I did end up watching this uh, movie called Genetic Roulette. I, I really thought that I was reasonably well informed about what genetic modified organisms are and how they're used and how they get into my food and, and where they are and, and all of that. I thought I had a clue. But I, then, then I watched this movie and uh it uh it opened up uh pathways of thought to me that that I previously hadn't considered and oh, okay. uh so I'm freaked out of my skull so this is genetic roulette it's a documentary it's a production of the Institute for Responsible Technology and if you want to watch it you can go to it's free www.geneticroulettemovie.com so what what happened? Well, um, the, the major discovery for me was that uh, in it they revealed that, for instance, one of the bugs, uh, one of the genes that they changed was designed to cause the insects that eat that corn to experience a discomfort such that it blows their guts completely open and so they die okay that sounds nice well yeah totally awful i mean we do terrible things to insects because we don't want them to eat our food right. uh, i mean we've done herbicides we've done pesticides we've done all kinds of awful things and uh, caused untold collateral damage with that well we what we don't realize is the insects are there for a reason right yeah, they are supposed to weed out the uh, weak of the species. You know, you just reminded me of like three of my four uncles farm. Three, four of my five uncles farm. They farmed when I was a kid. And I remember one of them taking me out in the field. And there was this, you know, beautiful wheat field. It was the wind was, swaying, you know, swaying. And it was like waves of wheat. And, and I looked down and there was a little clump of wheat that was obviously uh, sick, and it was just swarmed by ants. And I looked to the, you know, the wheat that was beside it, nothing, you know. So yep. it was like the ants knew that this was damaged product, and they were just taking it down. And I thought, wow, that was really amazing. I mean, it, like, it was very obvious. They, mm -hmm. were, they were hard at work. And and the and this piece of the clump of wheat there was you know very damaged and sickly and and I thought wow that was pretty cool actually so I just I really get what you're saying about the the job of the insects is to clear out the weak plants. So we have started growing foods on depleted soils that we have been pushing with the NPK fertilizers. We are pushing the plants to grow quicker. They look good, but they're weak. They're demineralized, undernourished plants. So, of course, they are very attractive to the insects because the insects recognize them for 
week and that's our food. That's our food that right. we need to take off because only the genetically perfect, the strong, are supposed to survive for the next generation to be reproduced. So well, we anyways, okay. so these, these, these scientists who are working on the genetic modification, by the way, that the method that they use is sort of like using a shotgun that they load with this other genetic material and they shoot it at the um, tissue of the target and then they try to reproduce it and see what happens. Okay. And, and I'm thinking, well, all right, one of these days they're going to, uh, through this random change, create something that's going to be actually, um, what's the word, by fluke, really awful. And then by fluke, it gets out of the lab. And then I'm thinking, oh, hold on. The stuff that's out of the lab is already quite awful. Yeah. So what we're <laughs> talking about here is we're talking about scientists taking normal corn that's been raised and grown for 10,000 years, sticking salmon DNA or pig DNA or tomato DNA or some other DNA in it to create this sort of hybrid that looks like corn but has uh, properties that corn doesn't normally have, which then we're supposed to be able to eat and digest like we did with normal corn. And, right. And, and so, the yeah, so Scott, the claim is that the genetically modified is substantively identical to the regular old non-GMO stuff, meaning that you cannot tell it apart, your body cannot tell it apart, it's the same. And for that reason, we don't need to tell you that it's anything different. Hmm. Even but though he, it is. But here, here, comes the, here comes the thing that freaked me out. So they have created corn that is supposed to blow up the digestive system of the bugs, beetles, that are eating it. Successful so far. And... Uh, People that have been eating that genetically modified corn are starting to come up with illnesses that indicate that they have permeable bowel, leaky gut. There's a complete correlation between the two issues, introduction of GMO foods and the incidence of leaky gut and illnesses that result therefrom. So what you're saying is, is it blows up this, the insect's stomach, and our stomach's not really that different. Perhaps, yeah. That's there. It's just, it's a statistical. It's a correlation. I don't know that it's direct causation. I cannot prove that. I don't have enough data for that. But it's a correlation. And uh, with that, I must say that the experiment with, uh, with the industrial agriculture. Is not going so well. The and levels you know, we of talk, we talk so much about these poor mice that we, you know, put a little cancer on and then give them this thing to see if it fixes it. And you would wonder what would happen if we just fed the mice a diet of GMO corn and GMO tomatoes and a few other things, uh, and and just looked at what happened to their stomachs, right? I mean, it, we're not talking about something that if we wanted to would be hard to find out because we do this all the time in our research. The only reason that nobody's doing it is because nobody really wants to find out. Well, the people who have the money to do it are definitely not interested in doing it because it would mean less money in their pockets. 
and the government, the, the supervisors, the FDA and uh, the Department of Agriculture, uh, those are supposed to be looking out for us. But now that they are primarily funded by the people who are creating these things, um, they, they are actually serving their financial interest, which means that they're actually serving the people who are producing these things. Hmm. So the system has been flipped upside down. It should have been public money financing our public good, financing our supervision organization. But instead, we have created this monster that is financed by the people who are actually creating these things that the system is supposed to assure that they are safe. I guess in, in plain speak, we have made the goat the gardener. Right. Yeah, or we've given the keys to the prison to the inmates. Right. Or we have uh, uh, trusted the fox with our hen house. <laughs> So in the movie, I've, you just showed it to me a little while ago, so I haven't finished watching it. The part that really struck me, because I'm a stats guy, as you know, right? I mean, show me some stats that, that give me an idea that there's a problem here. And so they showed five or 10 or 15 years of the incident of some sort of stomach disorder. Yes. And I mean, they went through a whole bunch of them and I didn't have time to kind of pick which ones they were. And then they had this red line going up and down. And then at, this was when GMO foods were introduced. And it kind of dipped down on some of them and then took off, right? So, yes. I mean, and yeah. you would expect that in, in terms of uh, in an introduction to a food, we're going to be resistant to – it's going to take a while for it to break down our stomach. I mean, you don't have a – uh, a chocolate bar and tomorrow, you know, are 20 pounds overweight normally, right? So right. if you weren't overweight before. So th there's always kind of this lag before it happened. And it just was very consistent three or four years afterwards or 10 years or whatever the time scale was. One after another, these things just shot up. And right. that was the thing that really uh, shocked me. Right. And then there is this other piece of data that relates to that, which is the multiplicit, multiplicity of things. Um, for instance, I've been preaching about the uh, influence of toxic metals, heavy metals like mercury, lead, cadmium, and the likes, which cause complications such, you know, the inflama inflammatory like autism and fibromyalgia and all the other ones. Well, turns out that this is also directly correlated with the same problems. So... Was the was it just the heavy metal, or was it also the genetically modified foods? And uh, you know, when you uh, when you multiply these things, you get an exponential change. And to illustrate, um, for instance, when you have the um, dose of mercury that kills one in a hundred, and you combine it with a dose of lead that kills one in a hundred. The kill rate isn't two or four. The kill rate is 100, meaning that when you take a certain dosage of one, you kill one in a hundred. But if you combine the two, you kill everyone. Mm -hmm. So when we start combining these different things, 
we're not going to see just a little bit of an increase. We're going to see an exponential increase in trouble. And we are seeing it. We are seeing the uh, autism, which is exactly one of those things that uh, that is caused by this. The levels are rising dramatically. Oh, and in the movie, that probably the part you didn't see, they're showing how uh, people with uh, pets or people with their own health problems are, in, are instructed to completely eliminate all genetically modified foods out of their lives, and they get better. Only two to three months... And things that were just horrendously complicated become very simple, and uh, health problems go away. So we're really running into a couple issues here, I think. One is we have these massive industrial farms that uh, all they want to do is produce X amount of product per acre. And the way they see to do it is pump in the fertilizer, pump out the herbicides and pesticides, and... Uh, and they're not really that concerned about the impact it has on the population. And right. They're not measured by what happens downstream. The only thing they measure is uh, pounds per acre or bushels per acre, and that's it. Right. And then we have, on kind of on the other side, I'm thinking of the organic farmer and the guy that's, uh, you know, doing it sort of the way his granddaddy did it, that sort of thing. Um, yet they have a problem because... You know, the bumblebee that fertilizes the corn in the Monsanto crop uh, goes over and fiddles around with the corn in the organic farmer's crop. So yep. cross-pollination. It happens even with the wind. Right. So we have this cross-pollination going. So if, even if you take an – I mean, here's the ultimate problem, right? Even if you take something that's organic, we don't know that it hasn't been genetically modified. That's exactly correct, and we are possibly past the point of no return. Hmm. But anyway, so here, here's an interesting point. Currently, in California, it's uh, under review. I think it's coming up for votes this, uh, during this presidential election, this November, is something called the Proposition 37, which has Californian voters asked to vote to require foods that contain genetically modified organisms to be labeled as such. As in, you can't say just corn. You have to say genetically modified corn on the label. And gigantic amounts of money are being spent by uh, corporate interests, starting with the developers like Monsanto, but also a whole bunch of large food manufacturers, the Krafts, the Nabiscos, the uh, general foods of this world, they are actually spending big money on convincing voters to not vote for this proposition, to vote no. Yeah, and according to uh, Forbes in August, Monsanto DuPont DuPont spending millions to oppose California's GMO labeling law. This November, California voters will make a decision that could have broad implications for food producers throughout the country, whether or not to require labeling of GMO uh, in food. Other states have tried to pass similar measures and failed, but California has taken the issue directly to voters who have largely been in favor of labeling. And one of the things that's really quite interesting is the Europeans and a lot of other countries in the world already have 
laws in place where they you have to tell the consumer that it's GMO food. Absolutely, like there's there's no ge- genetically modified tomato or corn in Europe. They just won't have it. There were some fields in I think it was Hungary or Poland, someplace Eastern Europe, that uh, that they started testing some genetically modified foods there, and major uproar and. Uh, uh, you know, taken out, just the states stepped in and just completely just attacked the business that was, I don't know what they were thinking, bringing it into the country. Hmm. Um, anyway, so yes, the Europeans don't want it. And uh, perhaps they will be a little less unhealthy for that than we here in North America. The Yeah, it, and it's interesting how this sort of all works because – the yes on Proposition 37, which is a group of people that are are pushing for this, are about 65% ahead of the the no. So the yes, yes, let's do it is about 65% ahead of the no's. But there's a new group called No on 37 Coalition Against the Deceptive Food Labeling Scheme is launching a full-course press against the measure beginning this month. The group's major donors are – so, I mean, the no one Coalition Against Deceptive Foods Labeling. I mean, who wouldn't be against deceptive food labeling, right? That's such a motherhood issue. Yet yeah. the major donors are Monsanto, DuPont, Grocery Manufacturers Association, and uh, – Well, Kraft, General Foods, Nabisco. PepsiCo, Cargill, yeah. Dow, Dow, Coca-Cola, Bayer. Yeah. Uh, they I mean, we, we know who they are. Anything and everything that's sitting on the grocery shelves in our stores. Yeah. Could you – yeah. You know, Martin, I just realized it because you have often said when you go to a grocery store, do the perimeter. So you go through the produce, the bakery, the meats, the deli, and uh, – And get out. And get out. And, of course, everything inside, look out. And I'll bet you if this goes through, everything inside is going to have a GMO label on it. Uh, yeah, it would have to, unless they'd have. Yeah, they would have to start creating separate streams. Like, for instance, just an example: in the Exula manufacturing, we use have used lecithin that comes from soy. So previously, we were able to specify non-GMO soy. It, they would be able to tell us that this was grown by seed that's non-genetically modified and extracted from that. That product is no longer available. The only thing that they're able to sell us now is known as the species-specific, meaning that they test. They test the batch to be sure that there is no presence of the uh, genetically modified gene. And if it's not present, then they can go ahead and make the stuff and declare that whole batch as no presence of GMO found. But they no longer are able to start with seed that's non-GMO. And previously we were, uh, we, we lost North America, you know, the United States, that, that went. Uh, then they started planting large fields in Argentina and uh, other South American countries. So we've lost all of that. So now our lecithin has gone up in price by probably 40%. And it's all imported from uh, Europe because that's the only place where we can find it where it's actually not GMO, hmm. and and it's it's sort of like they keep closing the doors. We keep losing pieces of the planet 
which is being overrun by this, uh, um, and I would call it, it's like a virus. It's like cancer. You know, it yep. sets, it steps in, uh, establishes a foothold, and that start, then starts spreading. It keeps going. So 50 other countries require labeling of GMOs. And the Grocery Manufacturers Association, their president, Pamela Bailey, said in a recent speech that defeating Proposition 37 in California is the single highest priority for GMA this year. GMA for GMO. (laughs) And the GMA is the general what? It's the Grocery Manufacturers Association. Okay, so these people simply don't want to have to keep things separate. Yeah, they don't want to tell tell you what they're putting in. Well, important, but let's just say that you're making a breakfast cereal. It's so convenient to just simply make breakfast cereal if you are required to label. So you now have to run two lines. Like you can't even bring the GMO stuff into the production line that makes the non-GMO stuff. Right. The clean, the cleanup, the the washdown, the whatever is expensive. So they would have to make two factories, one one GMO and one not. Right. And what would happen before then is they would have the product they're making now, then they they put the GMO on the label, then they would sell nothing, and then they'd say, well, we're going to have to make an alternative to this because nobody's buying it. And that would cause a, a major disruption to their whole process. Maybe not. They would that that would be easy. They they could just have one factory and they could quit selling the GMO. Yeah, if they could find, you, they have the same problem you have with the lecithin. They are, can they find corn syrup that's not GMO? Can they find these ingredients that aren't GMOs? And I would bet the answer is no. Well, how long would it take for the farmers to get the message that they can't sell their GMO corn? Yeah. Well, and of course, that becomes a huge problem, right? Well, it's a, it's a retooling of the entire agricultural economy. Which is probably a good thing, given that what we're seeing downstream is huge increases in tummies blowing up because our tummy is not that different from an insect's tummy. Well, there certainly is some similarity. Uh, maybe we don't completely blow up. You just create microscopic holes. Mm-hmm. But it's bad enough that it creates uh, permeable well, gut means that underdigested proteins get through it. It's the uh, it's it's as if if you took a nylon stocking and stretched it, or if you took a sweater and stretched it, all of a sudden instead of looking thick, it starts looking like it's a um, a sieve, a colander. Pretty it has thin. holes. Yeah, it has holes in it, and that's how. Proteins that are not completely separated into individual amino acids get into the bloodstream. So when, when for instance, underdigested broccoli gets into your bloodstream, it hits your liver. The liver says, well, this is not individual amino acid. This is a sort of protein. I need to go after it. And it starts to attack it. Right. And in the process of attacking it, it's sort of as good as shooting your gun inside of an aircraft. Hmm. Pretty, pretty, pretty soon, you're going to damage something vital. Right. Yeah. So. So I think it's a really good thing. Like, let's get this Proposition 37 going and get it everywhere. And let's. I mean, one of the big yes. problems that we have, I think, is the fact that 
And they talk about it in this movie where uh, we're not being truthful. We're not, we're not, no, sorry, not, we're not being truthful. The people that are deciding things are not being truthful. Like the FDA has said, oh, no, there's no problem with genetic modified foods. We're all in agreement. Yet then when you pull out and they force the FDA to release to the public thousands of documents of emails between their scientists, it becomes very clear that nobody is in agreement on whether GMO is good, bad or indifferent. So then it becomes, well, uh, you know, if you know. It took a long time for us all to agree that smoking was probably not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but and we, how long did it take us to realize that DDT was actually somewhat not good? In or, the movie, uh, they have this old commercial where everybody is smiling and happy, and the, the tagline is, DDT is good for you. Yeah, well, that's probably a spoof. But uh, <laughs> the, the point is this. The best that they come up with is it's inconclusive to say that GMOs are harmful. Well, that's just simply not good enough. No. And so uh, I was afraid to get political here, but this is not a political issue. This is a species elimination. If we don't get this right, um, there's going to be a mass extinction on the planet, and it will probably include majority of the humanity too. Mm-hmm at least the ones that are living out in these rich industrial countries. Right. Oh. Well, I guess I guess the Africans will take over and uh, we'll go back to um, the way it started. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of interesting you bring that up because when we had the big meltdown in 2008 and 2009 financially around the world, the one place on the planet that didn't notice was Africa because <laughs> – very <laughs> they're so a, they're so broke they don't even know. well they're a cash uh, society still right so they had nobody that had huge massive debts that they had to service and huge massive I mean I'm talking I don't know about the governments but the you know the people the people yeah uh, were quite fine and uh, you know they continued living on the way they did and and uh, nobody was uh, repossessing huts or, or tigers <laughs> or anything like that. To, but, uh, right. you know, so the, the people that are closest to nature and, and basic are the ones that uh, long term are going to have the the advantages I, I'm beginning to see. Yes. Yeah. Not. Uh, well, anyway, so this is my appeal. Anybody who has anything to do with California, if you have any chance to influence anyone, please, if you value your health and the health of your uh children and their children please make this proposition 37 pass there you go so you've been listening to the life enthusiast online radio network restoring vitality to you and the planet and this is probably one of the most important messages we've ever put out and martin if somebody wanted to know more about Maybe some of the other things that they can do to improve their health. What should they do? Well, check around the blog. You can see this is the podcast blog, uh, and we have the link to the movie. Watch it there. And uh, you can, of course, check our health news blog, and you can check our uh, website. There are articles database where you can educate yourself about uh, what works and what doesn't work in, in the health 
human health. And of course, if you want to support us, by all means, check out the products. We sell high-quality, high-grade tools that help people to uh, restore vitality. <laughs> That's what we say, restoring vitality to you and to the planet. And today we're definitely standing on that line. Yes. So the website is www.life-enthusiast.com. Look forward to having you with us next time, everybody. Until then, make sure you vote. Thank you for listening.